0: Hi everyone, my name is Erin. Welcome to Christian Challenge. Tonight, I'm gonna be sharing with you about hope. Hope is a really familiar word. It's a word that easily slips into our day-to-day vocabulary. I hope USC will be hybrid in the spring. I hope the weather will be nice this weekend. I hope I get what I want for Christmas. So many things I hope for all throughout the day. I don't know about you, but there have been multiple points throughout 2020 where I felt hopeless. My hope ran dry, and the best way to describe how I felt is hopeless. Can you relate to that? As followers of Jesus, we should be the most hope-filled people walking around planet Earth, but there are days that my heart just does not feel hopeful. Psalm 71, 14 says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. I want that to be something that I cannot just quote, but will be true about my life, that that would describe the current status of my soul. I am so grateful that Neil gave me this assignment of speaking on hope tonight, because the concentrated time that I put in to looking at what God's word said about hope was so life-giving to me in this tumultuous season. My prayer for us tonight is that we will leave with a greater understanding of what hope is, who our hope is in, and that the verse I just shared with you would characterize our lives, regardless of whatever storms may come. So it's important for us to be on the same page talking about hope tonight. To define what hope is, first of all, we're gonna start with what hope is not. For followers of Jesus, hope is not wishful thinking, it's not an emotion, it's not a desire, it's not blowing sunshine or optimism. It's not even being a glass half full kind of person or someone who walks around saying everything is going to be fine. How do you know everything is going to be fine? You can't tell the future. But for followers of Jesus, our hope is grounded in truth. So the definition I would like us to work off tonight is confident expectation. Hope equals confident expectation. Paul describes hope in Romans 8, 24 and 25. He says this. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope doesn't mean that God will always do everything we want him to do. Just like what Neil was talking about last week regarding faith. Faith isn't about leveraging God to get what we want. The object of our faith is what matters. Similarly with hope. Hope isn't in our desired outcome. Our hope is in God, who he is, his unchanging character. Maybe you, like me, find yourself putting hope in a specific answer. I hope I'm healed. I hope I find an internship. While there's nothing wrong with hoping for a desired result, over and over again, scripture points us to God, that God should be the true object of our hope. When the world around us is crumbling, when fear is overwhelming and hope seems lost, we can place our hope in him because of who he is. He is always good. He is always faithful. Circumstances, outcomes, potential results should never be the object of our hope because we will live with dashed hopes again and again and again. David said in Psalm 39:7. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope isn't you. Scripture reminds us that our hope is always in the Lord. So again, our definition of hope tonight, confident expectation, living in a state of anticipation. Last week, Neil shared about faith. It's simply trusting what God said he would do. Faith is in God alone living my life, trusting that what God has said he will do. That's a life of faith. And the more faith you have, the more hope you'll have. They're very closely related. And I hope that makes more sense after our time together tonight. So tonight we're going to look at a brief passage in First Peter. The letter 1 Peter was written by the man Peter. Some of you who are familiar with the Gospels may remember Peter as the one who walked on water. Peter was also the one who denied Jesus three times. Peter was used mightily by God to launch the early church. So he's writing this letter to people who've been dispersed throughout Asia Minor and who are undergoing intense persecution. These are followers of Christ living in a very, very hard situation. Peter knew what it was like to endure. He had been beaten, flogged, imprisoned for preaching the gospel. So who better to write to people who are suffering than someone who had endured as well? Someone who had endured and yet not become bitter, not become a negative Nancy, but had fixed his hope on the living God. And so that's what he's writing to these believers scattered throughout Asia Minor, reminding them of his message, his personal knowledge that the living hope that we have is found in Jesus. And he points them and us to Christ's example to follow. It's interesting that biblical commentators refer to Peter as the apostle of hope. And how cool would it be, the people that we relate to day in and day out, if we would be known as, yeah, that's Aaron; She's my friend who's full of hope. May we be those kind of people in the lives, of the people that we interact with day in and day out. So let's begin with 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this passage, Peter links our new birth, our salvation, with the idea of living hope. The hope Peter speaks of is not wishful thinking. It's not optimism. It's not, I hope I pass this test kind of hope. Not at all. The Greek term for hope in this verse means an eager, confident expectation. The hope of the believer is not only living, but it's lively. The hope of the world is dead because it's a hope that's based on circumstances and desires. The living hope that we have is alive. It's active in the soul of each and every follower of Jesus. I love the way the new living translates this verse says this all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We live with great expectation. Our living hope originates from a living, resurrected Savior. Peter's living hope is Jesus. Our living hope is Jesus. Some of you may be thinking right now, that song we sing a lot in Challenge at church that Phil Wickham wrote, I promise I will not sing it. The lyrics are, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. You can sing it with me now. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Phil Wickham got those lyrics from 1 Peter 1, 3. Now when you sing it again, you'll sing it with greater understanding, with greater vigor, knowing that you're singing scripture back to God. So Peter, who was writing to these Christians who are suffering persecution, reminding them, I know it's not easy to follow Jesus where you're living in the time you're living right now. We can't in 2020 understand all they endured 2000 years ago. But Peter wrote to them to encourage them in the midst of hardship that life may not get any easier. And for them, looking back, life didn't get easier. They were living in the time of Nero. We know what happened during that time, that he would light Christians on fire in his garden to illuminate it at night. They had very, very hard lives. They took great risk to publicly identify with Jesus, that their future on earth was unpredictable. And in many ways, we would say bleak, but Peter wanted them to remember that their future was secure because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Their hope was in his victory over death. He defeated sin, his resurrected life. So whatever the persecuted believers would face in this world could not compare to what awaited them. So to live with great expectation, that was his encouragement to them. That is his encouragement to us today. So living hope is anchored in the past. It's anchored in the past that Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive. It continues in the present. Jesus is alive and it endures throughout the future. Jesus' promise of a resurrected life. Living hope enables us to live with hope despite the circumstances that despair is not an option that we should turn to when things are crumbling around us. Woe is me is never helpful. That is not at all what you see in scripture. In fact, to find encouragement in the words that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For followers of Christ, we always have hope. For those who do not have a personal relationship with Christ, they have no hope. That is why it is so important for us as followers of Jesus to live the hope-filled life that He's called us to live, because that is in such distinction and contrast to the life that they are currently living. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2:12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise having no hope and without God in the world. You and I were that way too. Before those of us who are followers of Christ chose to put our faith and our trust and our hope in Christ, we had no hope. And a few verses later, Peter picks up this idea of hope again. There's 10 verses I'm going to skip, and they are so rich and powerful. I would encourage you to read them before you lay your head on the pillow tonight, but we just don't have time to talk about all of that this evening. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit to 1 Peter 1.13, where Peter writes, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in this verse, Peter's addressing where we set our hope today in this life in 2020 right now. So he starts with preparing your minds for action. We have to take control of where our thoughts go and what our minds dwell on. If we do not fully engage in intentionally setting our minds in this hope setting direction, we are going to be so distracted and tend towards a hopeless state. It's so challenging, right? Like, how do you do that? How do we keep our minds set on hope when finals are coming up, when the election season is here, when there's just so much going on in our world today? Peter tells them and he tells us that we have to make a deliberate choice to set our hope there. We need to do this on purpose over and over again all throughout the day. It's not just a a decision you're going to make in the morning and it'll carry you through for the rest of today. Obeying this command is going to require mental work. So Peter writes, stay alert, prepare your minds for action. And he continues on. He says, being sober minded. The term sober minded literally means free from intoxicating influences, which makes sense. Like, sobriety, that kind of idea. But the idea of this term is that we are not blown around. We are not easily swayed. We choose to focus on what is real and on what is eternal. We aren't just wishful thinking. We're not eternal optimists. No, we are fully aware of how broken our world is and how broken we are. But we don't dwell on that. We set our hope, right? So then he says this, what does it mean to set our hope fully on something? Okay, Peter, where do we go? What do we look to to make sense of what is happening in the world around us? The injustice, the suffering, the empty pursuits. What do we allow to occupy our hearts and our minds? What do we invest our minds in, our energy, our focus? What Peter has written so far in his letter to those followers of Jesus is that we will be resurrected just like Jesus. Jesus and that our salvation is secure. So it just makes sense to set our hope on Jesus. And he wraps up that verse saying, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. Jesus is coming back. That moment when all of our longings will be fulfilled is coming. We can hope in that. What a day. That will be. But until then, how do we live as hope filled people? What do we do when we realize our hope has been misplaced? Well, I'd like to encourage you with four things. The first thing is to talk to your soul. And I know that sounds ooey gooey, feely, but it's something that is scriptural. The psalmist writes, in Psalm 42:5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Often the best way to discover what we've placed our hope in is to think through the narrative we've been telling ourselves. When the election is over, when COVID is over, when I graduate, what have I been placing my hope in? A vaccine? a certain outcome in the election, maybe your parents reconciling, maybe a huge scholarship. I tend to believe the voice I hear the most. I think you probably do as well. And typically the voice I hear the most is my own voice. So it's helpful to pause and consider what is the narrative that has been mentally repeated in my mind? Invite God in. Ask him to help you discern what is the root issue? What have I been placing my hope in? Recognize he knows you far better than you will ever know yourself. So spend some uninterrupted time with him. Ask him to reveal where hope has been placed and then confess it to him. Ask for his help to keep your hope centered and focused on him. So the first thing is talk to your soul. And the second thing is to remember who God is and what he has done. Remember who God is and what he has done. The next verse, Psalm 42, six says, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Remember, remember is not passive. Remember is active. I would encourage you to make a list of God's attributes. Make a list of how you've seen him at work in your own life. Maybe in the lives of those around you right now, you're thinking, I don't see God working at all. Trust me, he is working. You may just not be aware of it. But to take time to remember who God is and what he has done. The third thing is lean in and intentionally surround yourself with hope-filled people. Lean in and intentionally surround yourself with hope-filled people. There are going to be moments in your life. There are going to be days weeks, months, and quite possibly even years when your hope is going to be a real struggle. So I'd encourage you to borrow hope from some hope-filled believers. Some of them will have extra to share. You know, this was so true for me my last semester of college. I was learning to navigate the world without my dad. And it was brutal. The majority of my friends had not lost a parent, and they couldn't relate. And honestly, I didn't want them to be able to relate. The pain was suffocating. I would not wish that on anyone, but I needed hope. So I made a decision to show up again and again to each life group, to each Thursday night challenge, to church on Sunday morning, and I borrowed some hope. Why? Because they had something I desperately needed and I couldn't find myself. I was so struggling to take hold of it, but they had some extra that I could borrow. And I would say that looking back, that we are all better for it, that they learned some things about walking with someone who was grieving deeply. And I learned some things about borrowing hope when I needed it the most. So I'd encourage you lean in, don't isolate yourself, fight that temptation to isolate, lean in and show up. The last thing is to memorize a verse on hope. Memorize a verse on hope. I've mentioned several tonight, a few I would recommend. Psalm 71, 14. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Or maybe 1 Peter 1:13. 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. So in closing, Hope in anything other than Jesus is fleeting. It's misplaced and misplaced hope leads to greater anxiety, more depression and isolation and a lot of other things. Our hope is not in the president of our country. Our hope is not in a vaccine. Our hope is not in a strong economy. We have a living hope and nothing in this world can change that. So I'd like to end tonight a little differently with a benediction a blessing of sorts. Paul makes a request of the God of hope. Isn't that such a beautiful name for God? The God of hope. He is our God of hope. So Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, asked the God of hope would help these believers to keep believing so that they can experience joy and peace and that they would abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is asking for supernatural, Holy Spirit-powered hopefulness. And I want to ask the same thing for us tonight. So I'm going to end with Romans 15, 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.